Hello, hello, everyone. This is This Week in Mormons, Sisters Edition, with your hosts, Ariane Smith and Tiffany Hales. We're here for the month of May. Well, we are. We made it through. You, well, it's, you survived a wedding. I survived a wedding. <laughs> I'm counting it as we've made it through. <laughs> I was going to say, honey, we still have a week left to go. Do not count your chickens before they're hatched. <laughs> we've made it through the rough parts. Well, you don't and know that yet. Parts. <laughs> That's Stop true. talking like that. You're frightening me. <laughs> I can't help it. May is just, ugh. I, 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 never, I never exhale until June 1st. <laughs> anyway, we've had quite a week. Yes. Um, do you want to talk wedding first? Sure. I'll talk wedding okay. first. So my daughter got married on Saturday. Uh-huh. As you know, I've been hyping this up for several months now. Um. It was kind of the whole reception thing was very touch and go. Uh So originally we were planning to do this lovely garden reception on this cute little five acre farm that one of my friends owns and volunteered and said, hey, you can use our house, which was beyond generous. And they have a gorgeous yard. And that just tells you like what a good friend because I didn't ask. She volunteered because I would not ask somebody, can I invite 300 people to your house? (laughs) But if you offer, I might take you up on it. Anyway, so um, usually the weather in May here is beautiful. Especially the end of May. Especially the end of May. Early can be sketchy. Yeah. Yeah. So we had no plan B because I just was convinced that it was going to be beautiful. I had also put our dead mother on assignment to go petition the Lord for some good weather. Well, I'm not really sure where the failing happened because I did not get good weather. It did not work. I know. I was like, Hertha, you had one job. One job for this wedding. Anyway, so it became evident about a week before that it there was a potential for rain. And so we are watching the forecast like literally every 12 hours when it updates, we're watching. And finally, I told my husband, I said, okay, The reception is Saturday at 6. We have to make a decision by Thursday at 6, 48 hours in advance, if we're going to do it at the church or we're going to do it at the, at the, at the farm. Right. Well, there was, you know, when we got to Thursday night, it was clearly evident that not only was it going to be rainy, it was going to be very cold and we had to move it to the cultural hall. So that left me with 48 hours. Well, (laughs) more like 24 to figure out how in the world am I going to make a cultural hall not look like a cultural hall. I know. And you did so good. It looked so cute. It it did. It turned out really cute. And I was like counting my blessings. I was not on the decor committee. I was on the food end. (laughs) That's right. You were on the food committee. Seriously, I was like, "Hmm, not my problem. (laughs) I know. In fact, I think it was. So then my decorator ends up in the hospital on Thursday as well. So not only am I changing venues, I no longer have a decorator because she's in the hospital. Fortunately, it wasn't anything serious, but she was there for two days. She didn't get released until Saturday morning, I think. No, Friday night, the day, day before. The day before. Yeah. And so, anyway, so I remember calling you on Thursday going, okay, nothing else, everything else is seemingly falling apart. Please tell me the food is still on track. And the food was still on track. The food was good. Yes. <laughs> we had a bad batch of cupcakes. Other than that, it was good. Yes. So, um, 
I was, I have to count my blessings. I had a ton of friends and uh, friends that had, you know, just some cute decor that I was able to use. Uh, my friend whose farm we were going to have it at gave me some really good ideas for what to do on the walls in the gym that I hadn't thought about because my brain was just racing with oh my gosh, we're changing venues. I have a daughter who doesn't want to do it at the cultural hall, but I don't have a choice. <laughs> um, anyway, in the end, Shelby was pleased as punch. But the the real hit of the whole party was, and, and I have to say the temple ceiling was beautiful. I don't want to take away from the fact that it wasn't just a party. The most important thing was that she and, and her now husband were sealed and... It was so sweet when they were in there. I, I was sad that you couldn't be there, but our numbers were limited to 16. And so that left eight for each family. We did not make the cut. You didn't make the cut. <laughs> but I was quite all right with that because we had two dance recitals and two soccer games. I know. I knew you weren't feeling too bad we about it. We could not have made it there had we made the cut. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um, uh, they kneeled across the altar from each mm-hmm. other and they bawled like babies. Oh, they did. Especially him. Like he was, I couldn't see Shelby very well Uh from where I was sitting. I could see she was crying a little bit, but he was bawling like a baby. And I was like, oh, he loves my daughter. Oh, it's so sweet. So it was, it was, it was very sweet. And here's where Hertha did pull through. So we came out of the temple and there was no rain for our after temple pictures. I had bought these four huge white umbrellas because I figured we were going to be standing under umbrellas taking pictures based on the forecast. And the rain parted and we got all of our pictures done with uh, beautiful skies. So all in all. That is very fortunate. And then I have to tell you, so we have nine o'clock church on Sunday. So Saturday night, we just threw everything in our house put the stuff in the refrigerator that needed to go in the refrigerator and Darren and I just fell into bed, Mm -hmm. which I hate to do because I don't like waking up to a messy house, but there was Mm -hmm. no way I was dealing with it. So I get up on Sunday morning and I'm walking towards the kitchen and I'm literally walking like I'm hungover. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't indulge in any alcohol, but that is how I felt. I'm like, I feel like a hungover party girl. Yeah. (laughs) So I did my 90 minutes of church and I promptly came home, shut the doors to my office, pulled a blanket up, laid down on the couch in my office and passed out. You got a nap. I did before I had to resume visiting teaching or not visiting teaching, Relief Society um, visits. So anyway. Well, it turned out great. Yes. Oh, but I forgot to say Uh the hit of the whole thing was your cupcakes. So Ariane made these cupcakes. Keith did the barbecue part of the food. Ariane made these cupcakes and we had 190 cupcakes. We had planned about one cupcake per person. The problem was your cupcakes were so delicious that everybody was eating two and three cupcakes. So there were people like the bride and the groom and the parents of the bride (laughs) who got no cupcakes. It was unfortunate. We ran out of cupcakes about 15 minutes before it was over? Oh, I think it was more like a half hour. Was it really? It was. We ran out of cupcakes pretty early. But we didn't know. No. So next time. And then my own children fessed up to me afterwards that they eat, like a couple of them had three. I was like, what? 
I told you one each. (laughs) Seriously, everybody who told me how good the cupcakes were did the same thing. They're like, Tiffany, I have to tell you something. I had two or I had three. I mean, like people were mass consuming your cupcakes. Okay. So yes, we lesson learned listeners. If you are planning a wedding, plan at least two cupcakes per person. If they're good cupcakes. If they're crappy cupcakes, you can plan one cupcake per person. (laughs) The problem is Ariane has cake making down to a fine art. (laughs) So her cupcakes really are as good as everybody said. Oh, fun. Okay. So on on from wedding news. Yes, we will. I'm sure the listeners are probably bored by my daughter's wedding at this point. No, they all wanted to to know. We've been leading up to this event. We have been leading up Um, to this event. But I have to tell you what's happening in my steak. Okay. I know you like a good story about my steak. Well, your steak is special. <laughs> my steak's a little extra. We've, they are a little extra. <laughs> we've mentioned. But we love them, right? I mean, uh, We do. We do. <laughs> They're just raising the bar for us mere mortals who live over in Eagle. Anyway, so my steak has a fireside coming up. By the way, everything is like resuming now. Oh, I know. It's like somebody flipped a little switch and it's like back to life. I know. So So for two weeks now, our ward has not social uh distanced and no masks are required. Yeah. Yeah. Ours have had, I think, our second week of optional masks. Although they're, you know, hoping that you're vaccinated. (laughs) Okay. We won't open that can of worms. We're not going to go there. We're sick of talking about masks. But um, (laughs) my steak is having a fireside in two weeks. They just announced it on Sunday. And they are having... um, Todd Christofferson's brother, Tom, come and do a fireside for us. And for those of you listening, you probably know he's pretty famous in the church for being openly gay. Yes. And um, active at the moment. At the moment. He had a period of time where Um, he had a partner and he was not active in the church. Right. And then he and that partner, I believe, broke up and he decided to, I think part of the impetus in them breaking up was he wanted to... Uh, he wanted to become active again. Right. So I've heard him on several podcasts before. Uh-huh. Anyway, he's coming to do a fireside for us in two weeks um, about inclusion and acceptance and um, just sharing his perspective as a gay member, which I think is 100% absolutely fabulous. Like, oh, I think it is too. Four years, like ever since we moved here, um, we've been saying, gosh, it would be so nice if you know, our state could do yeah. or our ward or anybody could talk about this. Yeah. It was something that came up a whole lot in our ward in Portland. Um, oh, I can imagine. We had several ward members yeah. and um, that were gay, or at least a couple that I know of. And so it was a, just a frequent topic yeah. of discussion and everybody was very just aware of being inclusive yes. and being, you know, using appropriate language, like, you know, not, nothing hurtful yeah. and... And so, and I, we felt here like that would be so nice to have some of that here. Well, and you have a little connection to somebody who would be really good at that. Well, for years I've been saying, because my sister-in-law is really good friends with Ben Shalati. Yes. Um, So he's a pretty also famous, if you're LDS, in the LDS rounds, openly gay LDS member. He works at BYU. In the Honor Code Code Office. office. He has his own podcast, um, which is awesome. He does it with... um, the guy that was Cosmo. Why can't I remember his name right now? Anyway, they have a podcast together and he's written a book. And so for years, I've been just telling Allie, oh man, I wish we could have him come and do something for our steak. And I, you know, I've never yeah. tried to do anything yeah. about it. I've, I've 
just been, you know, sitting here wishing. Oh, no, he's not sufficient so, for your stay. Anyway, so I was, I was laughing because I was like, oh, we're not going, we're going for the big guns here. <laughs> we're going for the brother of the apostle. <laughs> we're not messing around, which is like so on brand for my sake. So on brand. But I'm very excited. I think it will be I, great. I am too. I think I'm going to come that night because I'm, this is how I'm going to justify it, even though I'm not in your stake. I spend a sufficient enough amount of time at your house. I should be considered part of your stake. <laughs> Yeah, well, you should come. I I think it would be great if they opened it up to lots of stakes. I, know. I just think I just think any time you can get the discussion yeah. going is awesome. And I'm sure Tom Christofferson will be great. I've heard him on podcasts. Yeah. He's awesome. Ben is amazing. I just I mean like he every time he speaks, he speaks so well and just has such a way I think of reaching people. So I think any of these um, exactly to kind of open just to open the discussion, open the so. discussion, and have people thinking. Yeah, so I'm super excited about that coming okay. up in my state. That is very cool. Yeah. Well, we should probably start some news stories since that is what yes. we're here for. We okay. got some good ones this week. We do. Um, I was, you know, it's it's been light for the right. past couple times we've podcasted, but we got some juicy stuff today. So um, sadly, we are going to start off with a... We're Sad story. Start with a not great one. A not great one, mm-hmm. um, but then we will improve from there. So, um, there were two missionaries last Tuesday morning down in Texas, in Denton, Texas, which I believe is part of the Fort Worth Fort Worth Mission, if I am correct, uh, who were killed. There was Luke Mazazowski Carter. I probably completely mispronounced that middle name, who was 18 of Springville, Utah, and then an elder Eli John Fowler, 20 of um, Pueblo, West Colorado. So it was um, significantly raining down there Mm. at the time. And um, Texas rain, from what my daughter tells me, because she served in Texas, is really unlike anything we ever see here in the West. Just pours. It just like literally like someone turned the faucet on pours. Hmm. So they had just finished a service project and they were in a Toyota Tacoma, which that's a pickup truck. I mean, that's not a little vehicle. And there was a Ford F-150 that was traveling southbound and it crossed into their lane of traffic and they had a head-on collision. It must have been a pretty severe collision. They were both wearing seatbelts at the mm-hmm. time. And like I said, they're in a, they're in a sturdy vehicle. Yeah. You know, they're not in a tiny car, but they, they both passed away and, uh, it, very sad. Apparently, um, Elder Carter began his missionary service in November 2020. So he's only been out about six mm-hmm. months. And then, um, Fowler started his missionary in Jan- missionary mission in January of 2020. So he'd been out a little over a year. Um, they were just outstanding young men. Elder Carter was the second of seven children in his family. Apparently his older brother is currently serving as a full-time mission in ne- missionary in Nevada, Reno. Aww. Um, which is very sad. Um, they're, uh, Stake president from Springville, Utah said, you know, they're doing as well to be expected. Uh, they're in a state of grieving and feeling the pain and loss mm-hmm. of a child. And um, his uh, uh, stake president says when he interviewed Elder Carter as to why he wanted to go on a mission, he said, I want people to be as happy as me. Aww. So I thought that that was um, 
I thought that that was, was very cool. Uh, Elder Fowler, apparently he would walk into a room and put smiles on people's faces. Um, he was in all sorts of sports in Colorado. He was an Eagle Scout. Uh, apparently he was also a medical assistant and worked at a call center in an orthodontics practice. Huh. So both of these young men had pretty outstanding things going on for him. So mm-hmm. super sad. That we're, is sad. We're just going to pray and wish the best for their, mm-hmm. for their families. Um, you know, whether you lose your child while they're on a mission or anytime you lose a child, it's, yeah. it's tragic. Yeah, it is. We really hate to hear about that on missions. Yeah. Um, okay, next news article. This one just came this out. This is hot off the press today. today. Um, the First Presidency is discontinuing time-only marriages in the temple. Now, I did not realize this was a, a thing. thing. I mean, I'd heard of it happening like a long time ago. I didn't realize this was still happening. Yes. Apparently, you could get a time-only marriage in the temple, but only if you have previously been spealed, sealed to a spouse who is deceased. Yes. So not for, like, broken temple ceilings. Exactly. Only if your spouse is deceased. Exactly. So if one of you has a deceased spouse and the other doesn't, can you? No time. Or do you both have to have you deceased spouses? You both have spouses? to have de- deceased spouses. So this probably was pretty rare. I think right? it was probably pretty rare. In the 70s, when I was mm-hmm. growing up, because yes, I'm that old, uh, the 70s and 80s, I remember lots of people would go mm-hmm. and do a time-only marriage. For example, um, our Uncle Lee, when he married Marty, our aunt, um, both of them were divorced. Uh, neither one of them had had their ceilings canceled yet, and they went to the temple and did a time-only marriage, oh. and that was in the early 80s. So you could do it if you were divorced back then. Yes. And you then could, you could go back and get sealed. And then you could go back and get sealed when, when you got your cancellations got done. Canceled. Okay. Um, they, I'm not sure when they discontinued mm-hmm. that practice. I, I think probably by the early 90s that practice okay. was discontinued, and they had limited time only to those where both spouses were deceased, and now they're like, no. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It does. I didn't even realize it was still happening. Yeah. So it makes sense. They said um, that in a case where a couple desires to be married civilly and where sealing is not contemplated or possible, their couple are encouraged to go to their bishop or stake president where yeah. it's legal and have them officiate, yeah. which is the way I assumed it was done anyway. Going anyways. So okay. that's not like a big surprise, but. No. Um, but that happened today. Yes. All right. What's next? <laughs> next we have, um, okay, well, you may recall last year we had some news break that um, Enzyme Peak Advisors, which is the investment arm for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, has made a whole lot of money. They got a whole lot of money in oh, the bank. Oh, yes. Now, they refuse to disclose exactly how much money they have. And there this was the big article that estimated, right? That estimated that they were worth like, several billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I think a uh, $100 billion is what right. they were saying. So, and the church kind of downplayed that and mm-hmm. was like, yeah, maybe it's not that much. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you. They've made a killing recently. It's more now. It is way more now. (laughs) So in the fourth quarter of 2020, so that would have been October to December, Mm -hmm. sometime in that three-month period, the church decides to buy 46,000 shares of GameStop stock 
for a mere $19 a share at that point in time. Now, it kind of blows me away that they were buying this because really... Me too. GameStop, I mean, the the guy who said GameStop was kind of, you know... GameStop, yeah. GameStop was kind of passe, was not entirely wrong. Right. Well, and the the guys that when the GameStop thing happened Uh and... It, I thought I got the impression from the news that this was not big investors. It was mostly small guys yeah. buying up the game stock to try to mess with it, right? Exactly. So I'm like, how did the church do it? Did they have like some young 20-something on their staff there that's like, hey, guys, let's do this? I, I have no idea. But before, because <laughs> the GameStop stop stock, I believe, went crazy in January. Uh-huh. So they purchased this long before it went crazy. And... um. And they made, and so they made uh, a nine hundred percent gain on their investment. So they went from it went from nineteen dollars a stock to a hundred and ninety, um, and it catapulted it from their one thousand four hundred and fifty two most valuable holding to four hundred and fifty five on the list. It's fascinating. It's so fascinating also, to me. How are we getting this information now? They've been so quiet about this investment arm. I, and now we're getting specific details on GameStop? I, You know, I, it must be public record somewhere because this is from Business Insider. Uh-huh. But the other thing they did in addition to GameStop stop, is they hopped on the Tesla craze. And so their Tesla stock increased 3,500% because the stock split and they had, instead of having 467,000 shares of stock, they now have 650,000 shares of stock of Tesla. Wow. And it jumped to the 15th biggest holding from being 22nd. Now, here's what's really interesting they divested themselves of Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway stock. Okay. They and dumped that. Mm-hmm. They, du- they didn't dump all of it, but they divested themselves enough that it went from 14th on the list to 22nd. Okay. So they're bumping it down. They're bumping it down. But yeah, the, I want to see the whole list. I'd love to see the whole list. Can I please <laughs> see the whole list? Is Disney on the list? Well, that's a good Disney question. has to be on the list. Well, I would think right? that because they've got <laughs> Apple and Microsoft on there. They got all the big ones, and they have right? Amazon and Alphabet. So, um, so yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they have some Disney, but I'm just blown away that in the fourth quarter they're like, mm, yeah, Game Stock, Game Stop. I know. Let's buy some stock. I'm so curious. I would just would love to see these conversations. I know. I know. And like you said, who's making do the they decisions? Have a, do they have a gamer at Enzyme Peak Investments who's <laughs> like, eh, yeah, you might want to get on board with that. They've got someone who's on like the, you know, the Robin Hood, like all those little sites, yeah. like monitoring. and Exactly. <laughs> I, I, it, it would be so fascinating to have uh-huh. 15 minutes with someone who works at Enzyme Peak. Yeah. It'll never happen, but it would be f- so fascinating. Yes. <laughs> I might need more than 15. I might have to bump that to 30. <laughs> Very interesting. Okay, this next one was fun. Um, This article was about the DI challenge. Um, This was, where did we find this? Oh, you know what? I had seen it. Desert News? What I had done is I had seen it on Facebook. You know how like on Facebook they do sponsored stuff? So I had seen it on Facebook. Was it sponsored? Oh, yeah, it was totally sponsored. Okay. That makes so much sense because yeah. this 
video was like an infomercial. Yeah. DI. <laughs> exactly. So then I went on, DI has its own website. Okay. So I went on to the DI website okay. to find the link. But explain okay. this to our listeners because so, this is truly fascinating. DI, Deseret Industries, um, has this current prom- promotion going on called the DI $500 Challenge. And what they did was they made this like a little series, I guess, web series, because it's on their website. They had four videos. They had four videos. They took four different people and they told them they had $500 that they could spend at the DI to remake a room. Okay. So this was so, I only watched one of the four and it felt like a cross between an infomercial for the DI and an HGTV show. Oh gosh. Like if they merged. (laughs) If they had a baby, that's what this would be. Yes. Okay. Do tell. (laughs) Tell us about the one you watched. What did they do? The one I watched was, um, it was a playroom. Where was it? Oh, Kate and Ashley. Kate and Ashley create a playroom for their project DI Oh, that's what the name of it is. Project Uh DI. It's called the Project DI series. Okay. Um, For their Project DI, Kate and Ashley furnished a playroom for their kids. Oh. So it talked about them, you know, interviewed in their house saying, yes, we love the DI. Mm -hmm. (laughs) DI is a great place to go, et cetera, et cetera. Then they go to the DI with their family. Okay. They they show you the room that they want to redo. We want to make this a functional playroom. Then they go to the DI with their family and their kids are grabbing things off the shelf. Of course. (laughs) That sounds about right. And then they came back and it shows them setting up this room with all the things they Uh found at DI. And then the thing that was like hilarious, the part I thought was really funny was one of her kids pulled out an old keyboard. Uh Uh-huh. And... She's like, yeah, they found that at DI. She's like, I don't know. They just like this stuff better than real toys. Oh, God. <laughs> so, and I was like, yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah. That's what my kids go for, too. Um, anyway, they redid their little playroom. So, was there painting or anything involved in it, They too? did not paint. I didn't see painting. Although they had painted some shelves they got at the DI, but they didn't paint the walls okay, of the room. the room. I saw some hacks listed in the article by some of the right. other people who had done a lot of painting yes, at the stuff they got. One of the other people had a hack on how to, like, spray paint furniture. Uh-huh. Um, one of the other ones had made some type of woven wall hanging out of... Some material he uh-huh. found at the DIs. So. Oh, he made belts. He'd used it as belts oh, because belts? he was making a bulletin board. He was redoing his teenage son's oh, room in vintage DIs. Anyway, it was funny. <laughs> it was like HGTV DI version. Okay, how do we get on this train? I could seriously see you and I collaborating together with 500 bucks in the DI to make something killer. I don't know what we'd make. I don't know. I do feel like we'd be good at that. I think we'd be really good at that. How do we get the DI? Can we decorate the church wedding for $500 from the DI? Not our child's wedding. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody else's perhaps? (laughs) I could do it. After what I pulled off last weekend, I could totally do that. I have no doubt you could do it. I made a miracle happen. Gosh darn it. Yeah. Didn't even look like a gym by the time I was done. I would totally do this. DI, call us. Call us. Call us. Give us us the challenge. We'll find a room. (laughs) We totally could. We totally could. All right. Hey, I have a sewing room. I Now that I have an empty bedroom, because I have a child that's gone, I'm going to transform that into a sewing room. So see, the DI right. can shoot me 500 bucks and we will film ourselves. We have a room already and nobody's done a sewing room nobody's yet. Nobody's done a sewing <laughs> slash craft room yet. So 
DI calls. Plus, there's like a hashtag on, I think, on that article that if you create something with the DI, you can hashtag them. Hashtag Project DI. Ooh. Maybe you need to start hashtag Project DI stuff so they'll notice you. Exactly. And say, I've got a sewing room. You're willing to give me 500 bucks at the DI? <laughs> if you harass them enough, maybe they'll come. I know. That we seriously, you and I would have the best time doing that. Right. It would be so fun. All right, we're gonna start a campaign. All right, um, so let's move on to the next one, which is um, water and Minerva Tigert. Oh, they the, do not mix. The poor Minerva Tigert paintings have been through it this year. The Minerva saga goes on. Yes. So, as you know, there are Minerva Tigert paintings in the Manti Temple, which she painted in one month. In like 1947, which is like nothing short of amazing that she could sit there and whip that out in a month. So originally the church was going to tear those down in their revamping. And then there was a huge outcry. And then they said, oh, we'll save them. They're on canvas. And they were going to save them and put them in a museum somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then they decided, no, we're not going to take them off the walls. We're going to leave them there. But... um, So she painted these on canvas, and they've been on these plaster walls. Well, apparently that um, there is moisture that gets in there, and the moisture Mm -hmm. really deteriorates these paintings. And so that moisture um, carries a threat to the murals. And so Elder Kevin R. Duncan, who is a General Authority 70, serving as Executive Director of the Church's Temple Department, says, The murals change all the time because of the moisture that comes in the building. It's really the biggest challenge, he added. They've been touched up. The fact is, the oldest mural there, as I understand it, is only 30 to 40% of the original because it's been touched up and fixed so many times. That moisture is what's really harming them. We'll do what we can during the renovation to try and stop the moisture from coming in, but that's about all we can do. These things don't last forever. I thought that was very interesting. I did too. And why are they giving us this fact now? Instead of, I thought, well, this would have been an interesting fact to throw out when they were trying to justify the tearing. Exactly. (laughs) To say, hey, the moisture is destroying these. They're only 30, 40% of her original artwork because we've touched them up. Which doesn't really bother me. I mean, they're still beautiful. It's still her art. Exactly. You know, someone touching them up. But it's interesting. Also, I don't know. I mean, we'll see if they can get a handle on the moisture, but I think that with a big renovation like this, you could fix all that, right? You would think, but I don't know because I'm not a construction person. But I mean, surely, I mean, we know enough about, you know, I mean, you go to a museum and Mm -hmm. they have things very temperature controlled and sealed and things like that. So they know what it takes to preserve a piece of art. Mm -hmm. And so I guess it's just a matter of figuring out how do you incorporate that into this big, enormous building where people are coming and going. And where the art is actually on the wall, not exactly. in a frame. Exactly. And yeah, you are always going to have, mm-hmm. you know, moisture that seeps in. I mean, fortunately, Manti, Utah is a dry climate. It's not like we're talking about Louisiana, mm-hmm. but still, there's moisture. Yeah. It's in the air. Very interesting. Very interesting. We'll see how that plays out, but we hope it works out. <laughs> I know. Preserve the murals. That's right. Okay. Oh, speaking of preserving things. Oh, yes. Preserve the park in Cottonwood. Yes. (laughs) This was a Salt Lake Tribune article about um, a little 
disagreement happening right now in Cottonwood Heights in Utah outside of Salt Lake City. Yes, it is a suburb of Salt Lake City on the east side of the freeway. Okay. So apparently, um, back in the 70s, a man named Victor Merrill gifted about a third of an acre of his property from his Brighton Point development to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints back in 1973. And a third of an acre is not much. No, it's not much at all. But the church absorbed it into some property they already had, which was about a six-acre property. They turned half of it into a meeting house with a parking lot. And the remaining half of it, um, which included this donation, the third of an acre, Victor Merrill, was turned into a park with a baseball diamond picnic pavilion. Um, It says this was made possible through a lot of volunteer materials and effort and work from the community. So the church, you know, donated the land, but lots of other people helped with the the community built the park, building the park. And it was a church owned park. So this is not a city park. No. Uh, but it's a church-owned park, but the community is, like, open. Yes. Has been using it for years. Well, and that was very typical of what they did in the mm-hmm. 70s, because in the 70s, you know, the church didn't go in and build buildings. Wards had building funds, and you had assessments that go towards mm-hmm. the ward building fund. And whenever a new building was built, the members contributed to all right. of that. right. So I guess the chapel caught fire in 2019, and now the church wants to sell the property to the highest bidder. Well, Mr. Merrill is not happy about this. He was not notified, and apparently he had a verbal kind of agreement with the church. That That is what he alleges. That this would be turned into a park. And so he assumed it would always remain a park. Yes. (laughs) So um, he is mad. Like he said... The quote is, nobody has contacted me at all, and they know darn well I have an interest in this. They'd like to just sweep it under the rug, but if they're not careful, they're going to end up being sued. He is mad. He's mad. So, um, this yeah. might be a David versus Goliath thing. I hate to I hate to rain on his parade. Yes. So, it sounds like where they left it is, like, the city is trying to get involved in maybe, like, we could buy it. Yeah, the city has reached out to right. the church and said, hey, we would like to buy it and create a city park there. Right. And you take your three acres where your building was and you sell that you off. You sell those, put us on the list, give us like the first yeah. opportunity to buy it at fair market value. But, you know, some someone from the church said, well, you know, we're not in this. You know, we're in this to maximize church we're, resources. We're, we're trying to use our funds wisely, which is uh, <laughs> not looking like a great PR move. <laughs> no PR wise, this isn't looking so hot. But the church did say that they will discuss it with the yes. city. So we'll see what happens. Now, my favorite part of this article is Merrill says, although he never got a commitment in writing to preserve his donated land as a park, he said case law would uphold his verbal agreement with the church's real estate arm. Is this true? I do not believe this is true. You always hear, get it in writing, right? I I cannot speak for Utah uh-huh. because although I was licensed in Utah, I never did any real estate stuff in Utah, so I don't know real estate law in Utah. I very well am acquainted with real estate law in Idaho because I've done real estate here in Idaho, and I can't imagine that Utah is much different. In Idaho, if it pertains to real property, which we like to call dirt on the ground, if you are talking about a piece of dirt, 
-hmm. If it's not in writing, it doesn't matter what you agreed to verbally. you got to put it in writing. Right. So. Mm -hmm. Anyway. I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. We'll see how that plays out. I hope it gets to stay a park because, I mean, I hate to see a park destroyed anywhere. But Exactly. Exactly. We'll see. But then again, if a a developer, what, you know, I mean, six acres is going to look a lot more promising to a developer than three acres. So what do you do with three acres? I don't know. Anyway. I don't know. We'll we'll see if there's any follow-up on that ever. Yes. All right. My next article. You know how I feel about the Olympics. Oh, yes. And they're coming back. I love the Olympics. As far as we know, they're still happening. They are still on for this summer. Last summer, uh, I'm I'm the first to admit, I was a little bitter when COVID stole my Olympics because I am a huge fan of the Olympics. Summer Olympics are the best. It was so sad. The two weeks that the Summer Olympics are on, you will find my butt in one place, which is on yes. my couch in front of my huge TV. Don't you feel like we just need the Olympics right now? I really do. To bring us together. I really do. So we are going to talk about a potential member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who hopefully will be heading to the Olympics in one of my favorite summer sports, gymnastics. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. I know. I love it when we get a member of the church. Exactly. It just makes it like so fun to watch. It really does. And I'm sure as the Olympics get closer, we're going to have more and more stories about members of the church. So this particular young lady is named Michaela Skinner Harmer. And she actually was an alternate in the 2016 Olympic team. And so this is an article in LDS Living. And between 2016 and now, she happened to get married. And she says, you know, despite all of my gymnastic accomplishments, going to the temple and receiving my endowment and getting married to my man was the greatest experience ever. So um, she goes through in this article and she talks a little bit about her disappointment in being an alternate on the 2016 team because she had gone to the tryouts and um, she had finished very well at the tryouts. Mm. She had finished fourth overall. They were taking five girls. And so statistically speaking, oh. it should have been her. It's the, And that happens a lot in gymnastics. It happens tons of gymna- in gymnastics. It's not what you do. It's the politics. Right. And so. So she kind of had a feeling she was going to get passed over, and she did. And they did announce her as an alternate, but she was, you know, it was very sad for her. But she decided, hey, I still get to go to Rio. I still get to have this Olympic experience. I'm going to be positive about it. Um, She also talks about that she's remained committed to not practicing on Sundays. She says, it's nice to be able to have my Sundays off to go to church, spend time with my family. It's good for my body to take a day off. So she goes into her 2016 experience and she talks about um, Marta Caroli, who was the coach. Um, yes. Of, and of course, her husband is famous for coaching Nadia Comaneci and several other athletes. But Marta was the U.S. Olympic team coach and just what a slave driver Marta was. And they were all just scared to death of her. I know. Because Did you she ever was... listen to that podcast about her that I told you to listen to? I don't remember you telling <gasps> me to listen. To... I listened to the Larry Nasser podcast. Oh, no. There's one just about Marta. I think it was on the sports one, three for 30. Oh, I need to write this down. I'll look it up. There all is right. a whole three for 30 all about the Carolis. 
Um, oh, I so need this in my life. And it was really interesting. And oh. they talk, they dabbled in Larry Nasser because they're all kind yeah. of, it's, you, you can't talk incestuous. about one. You can't talk about one without talking about the other. Yes. But the main focus of this one was them. And it talked about these oh. gymnastics camps that they ran and just like how insane they were. Exactly. Like she says like that. Like they take their cell phones yeah. and they only let them eat certain things and they have to be in the gym at certain hours. Yeah, and that's exactly what she talks about in this article. And she says she still suffers anxiety surrounding that experience. She also said she was very fortunate that she was never molested by the team doctor, Larry Nasser. And she said it is likely because her coach, Lisa, every time she went in to meet with Larry Nasser, mm-hmm. her coach was right there by her side. And so he didn't dare do anything with right. her coach right there. And so she talks about how blessed she was when all these girls around her were suffering this abuse. Right. And that she... And it was so interesting because she said her coach had no idea. Yeah. Her coach wasn't going in because she, she suspected. suspected. Her no. coach was just going in because she was very much a control freak, freak about her athletes. Like, exactly. I'm going to be where they're at. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, anyway, it, but I was, I was really glad that they hit on that because, I mean, you can't read an article about a gymnast about a gymnast in this era without yeah. immediately wondering. Exactly. And so, right when I started reading the article, I was like, are they going to talk about that? And yeah. I was glad they answered that question, yeah. and I'm so glad that she was spared from that. Exactly. Well, and the world of gymnastics Mm -hmm. just between in the last five years, because that story broke Mm -hmm. after the Rio Olympics has just changed dramatically. And she said, that's one of the reasons that she's doing a comeback. Mm -hmm. And she wants to participate in the Tokyo Olympics is she said that things are dramatically better for elite gymnasts now that they're under new leadership. And she even calls gymnastics fun again. Mm -hmm. Now she's going to be 24 and the U.S. gymnastic trials are late in June, mm-hmm. and um, that is that will be the oldest gymnast. Right. Simone Biles Simone's is twenty three. Twenty three. So they're both going to be older. They're both going to be older, and she actually is very good friends with Simone Biles. Mm-hmm. And um, she says, you know, the advantage of being older, I mean, obviously her body is older, but she just has a lot more self-confidence and she knows herself better. She's more aware of herself. And so um, she's excited to, to, to try in June and see if she can make the team. They're only taking four people this time instead oh, of five. five. They're not doing five. So um, I know. So there's one less person. So I'm... I'm going to put the Olympic trials on my calendar for June and I'm going to be rooting for Michaela. Yes, I hope she makes it. I hope she makes it too because it would be really fun to follow her journey. Yes, it would. And I think she sounds like she would be a great ambassador for the church. Right. And a great role model for all girls. Exactly. Okay, uh, another sports figure. Church member sports figure. Well, we're on a roll. Zach Wilson. Okay, this article was hilarious. This was a Deseret News article, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it was a Deseret News article. By, it was kind of an opinion yeah, piece. Yeah, it was like an opinion piece um, by Meg Walter. And she wrote all about how Zach Wilson could be the next hot ticket item in the singles ward in New York. Exactly. <laughs> what happens if he shows up on a Sunday in the pew in your singles That's ward? right. With his new, you know... $35 million shiny contract. Recently drafted. So, um, she this article is just hilarious. She talks about, you know, Steve Young was the original... Yes. ...bachelor that... 
all the girls chased for like a decade. Yes. <laughs> that was so, when I was at BYU. I know. I remember you were in law school when he was, I, weren't you? I was in law school when he was. I had classes with him. And at that time, he was dating a girl who was in law school. Oh. Not in my class. She was the year ahead of me. Scandalous. And now she lives in my stake and in my, in my, in my neighborhood. But she's not married to him. Is that the girl I know from the gym? That's the girl you know from the gym. <gasps> what? Okay. Sorry. Back to the topic. This is blowing my mind. Okay. Um, okay. So she she talks about how Steve Young went through this, you know, when he signed on with the 49ers. And um, she talks about how she was nine years old at the time and she was living in Provo. And he lived like they knew kind of where he lived because she was in the same neighborhood up uh-huh. in the hills of Provo. And they would like stand outside and like have him <laughs> sign their stuff. And she said she doesn't know a thing about football, but she just knew that he was this famous celebrity. She says all the adults talked all about him. All the adults him. were talking about him and who he was dating. So exactly. She, she knew he was a big deal. So, um, and she talks about all the rumors of who he was dating that just yes. flew around for years and years. And just like what a hot ticket item he was. And so she's talking about how fun it was to watch this yes. from the sidelines as a young girl. Like, this is fabulous entertainment, right? Exactly. And so she's talking about like, we could have that again. Exactly. With Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. <laughs> so, Except Zach Wilson does have a girlfriend. She did mention that he currently has a girlfriend. Which he's apparently had since high school. So she said that's, you know, not they're looking. They're young. That's not looking great for the dating scene. But she did say, you know, they're young. You never know. You never know. Give it a few months or years and he could hit that singles ward. <laughs> I kind of doubt it. I think he really likes her. <laughs> it could go that way too. From what I've garnered in being a face in being an Instagram stalker. It could go that way too. Um, but her article was just like really funny. So if you want a good laugh about Zach Wilson and Steve Young and go, their bachelorhood, go read her article. And 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 the obsessiveness of Mormon single women yes. over rich football players. Yes. And what happens in a singles ward when a rich football player shows up? <laughs> or she also talks about what happens in a singles ward when a cute, hot guy shows up and how all the girls start pursuing right. him. And then she says, if he's cute, hot, and he's a rich football player, it's even better. <laughs> so it was it was funny. Okay. All right. Here is another story that broke today. There was lots of breaking news from mm-hmm. Monday. The, the church has gone from Friday news drops now to Monday news They're drops. They're just trying to keep us on our toes. Apparently so. Um, as many of us know, the MTC has been closed for quite some time uh, due to COVID, and they are going to open it up. There are 10 missionary training centers Three of those 10 missionary training centers will reopen in the month of June. It says in late June, small numbers of missionaries will begin to live and train at the MTCs in Provo, Ghana, and New Zealand if local circumstances and health guidelines allow, the release has said. So let's start with the Provo MTC. The Provo MTC is going to accept 150 to 200 new missionaries who are not learning a second language. So this would be English speaking only. And in order to go to the Provo MTC, you have to be fully vaccinated and have a negative COVID test prior to your arrival. Okay. So, I mean, that's going to put, you know, somewhere between 300 and 500 missionaries in that MTC at any given time, which sounds like a lot, but I think that that, um, that, um, 
mission that MTC holds a ton of missionaries. So probably only a fraction of its capacity. So, um, and then it said in Ghana and New Zealand, uh, they will only welcome local missionaries and operate at a capacity of 50 missionaries each. Okay. So if you don't get the chance to go to an actual MTC, you will still be doing home MTC. So it will kind of be like winning the lottery. Yeah, it will really. If you get to go to the Provo MTC. The odds are not great. The odds are not great. But there will be a lucky few. There will be. And chances are, as months progress, more and more missionaries will will be allowed. Oh, I bet that they will be so excited for that to open up again. Exactly. It just, I, it's a different experience doing it at home. It is a different experience. I'm sure there's perks. I mean, the article mentions that there are perks yeah. to doing it at home, but I just think it's got to be a lot harder yeah. to focus. Yeah. Um, okay, next. I can't find my article, so I'll just no. mention it. It's what happened missing. to it? Okay. Did I inadvertently take it? Maybe, but I can summarize. Okay. <laughs> so... How can it be missing? LDS okay, Living. Okay, you, you start summarizing. I'm going to look through here. LDS Living turned me on to this because I had not seen it on the church website. But apparently the church website posted like a little article about um, getting your exercise and your scriptures at the same time. Oh, because I always equate both of those. <laughs> it was like, oh, I can't remember the title, but it was so funny. It was like jumping jacks and... Scripture study, go together. I don't know. Anyway, the church website posted this little article about how important it is to exercise your spirit and exercise your body. And they go hand in hand. And if you're physically healthy, you can be spiritually healthy, which I totally, yeah. I agree. Good points. Very good. I'm all for it. But then they went on to say, like, we've created this fun exercise chart if you want to do your scripture reading and you're exercising together and it was like every time it says verily verily you do 10 sit-ups every time it says therefore you do 10 push-ups and then there was like a whole list of things and phrases like burpees you do for this phrase this you do for this phrase oh gosh anyway um no thanks I don't know. Maybe this is somebody's cup of tea, but I was just... It is not inspiring me to read my scriptures. I was just looking at it very puzzled, going, hmm. (laughs) I don't know if I want to pair those two things. (laughs) Anyway, LDS Living suggested at the bottom of their article that, hey, this will be popping up in youth groups. And I was like, oh, I hope not. My daughter will not go to mutual. (laughs) Seriously. Anyways... I'm sure there's somebody out there that it's going to work for. But if you want to do it, uh, the church website has it on there. There's like a printable chart you can print out with your burpees and your scriptures. And you can put gold stars on for everyone you do. Oh, gosh. Okay. um, Let's finish up our news stories here with an article that I like to call DC People. Um, this was in, this was in the Deseret News. And if you have, I, I did a semester in Washington, D.C. for Washington, uh, seminar through BYU, which kind of gave me a flavor of what it is like to be young and living in D.C. This article doesn't so much focus on the interns as it does people who are, have just graduated from college, are young, they're right. living back there. Which they have a, Pop in single scene, from what I hear. That's from what I hear too. Jeff so, would Jeff would know. Jeff would know. 
Anyway, so it just talks about how these Capitol Hill staffers and these political people all kind, who are members of the church all kind of form this bond together and network together, which makes a lot of sense because they're all in the political field and they right. share similar values and things like that. And that they, they use this networking for, um, for getting jobs and staying mm-hmm. connected. And it talks about Allie Riding, who is the director of communications for Representative John Curtis. She said, I felt so out of my depths when I first got to D.C. She arrived in D.C. in 2017. Um, and she said it was a group of college friends already living in the area that helped her find housing in what is known as Little Provo, which is in the Crystal City neighborhood of Arlington, Virginia. I have to say that. Before BYU built its D.C. center, Mm -hmm. they had a hold on apartments there. I know where Little Provo is. I lived in Little Provo. Oh, nice. Anyway, so it talks about how these staffers all connect with each other, that it is harder for the Democratic staffers because they are few and far between. Most of the staffers are Republican. Mm -hmm. Um, They work for... uh, representatives who are in the the Book of Mormon belt, which is Idaho, Utah, Arizona. And what I thought was really interesting is... But also several other states it listed. It did list yeah. a couple of other states. Mm-hmm. Um, she says that there was a church institute class that was held at the Capitol, which of course was canceled due to COVID. Which, that's fascinating. Did you know that I they were doing no that at the Capitol? Let's just have an institute class? Let's have an institute class. What do you class? do? Just schedule a room? I guess you just schedule For a room. Like and once a week? You have somebody who's going to teach. <laughs> but what is most fascinating is there was Jello Wednesdays hosted by Senator Mike Lee. I'm dying to know what Jell-O Wednesdays are. Do they really serve Jell-O? I wish somebody would enlighten us. So if you know what a Jell-O Wednesday is... Do we really want to perpetuate this stereotype amongst the politicians of D.C.? I just don't think this is the image you want to focus on. Well, at least it doesn't say green jello Wednesdays. Oh. So perhaps we have the option to maybe have red jello or orange jello and not just green jello, which is typically associated with Utah, especially if you throw carrots in it. I'm dying to know about the jello Wednesdays. Can somebody please tell us? Have you been to Jello Wednesday? Do you think Jeff knows about the jello Wednesdays? Oh, I bet Jeff might know about the jello Wednesdays. Maybe you know, Jeff knows about he's the jello with Wednesdays. All these he what DC people, exactly. Right? So yeah, somebody needs to enlighten us on Jello Wednesdays because I I'm completely fascinated by what Mike Lee did at Jello Wednesdays. Yeah. Anyway, so those things have been put on hold. They're slowly getting back to normal. Um, and so it just talks about what a what a what an advantage it is when they arrive there to have kind of this network of people right. already in place who share similar values and faith, and that you just automatically have this friend group mm-hmm. and. I know, at least for me, when I did Washington Seminar, which again is nothing like living and working there, I didn't know anybody that I went to Washington Seminar Mm -hmm. with. And my four best friends from college and my very best friend from college was my room roommate in Washington, Mm D.C. You know, we just shared such a bond. And, you know, you if you don't go with any friends, you, you know, it's not like you have, you got to make friends. (laughs) So... All right. Okay. Well, shall we move on to Mormons behaving badly? Mormons behaving badly. I I know I feel like this is lather, rinse, repeat, but I got another Ammon Bundy story. We can't get this guy off our list. Well, that's why he's a lifetime achievement winner. (laughs) So here is what 
Here's what he did recently. He needs to share the glory yeah, with someone else. Exactly. He's getting old. But so, but this is a new one. You know, the last <laughs> ones he's been arrested. This is not one for him. This is not one about him being arrested. He hasn't been arrested this month. He hasn't been arrested this month. As a reminder, Ammon Bundy lives in Idaho, so he's very much on our radar. He's a church member who has caused all kinds of political chaos in the great state of Idaho. Yes, that that is that is a good way to describe it. <gasps> So to add to the political chaos on Friday, he filed to run as governor for Idaho next year. The only problem is when he filed his paperwork, he listed himself as a treasurer, which you can be your treasure, your own treasurer for your political campaign. That is not a problem. The problem is the laws in the state of Idaho say that your treasurer must be a registered voter. And apparently Ammon Bundy is not a registered voter. How is he not a registered voter? Uh, and you can run for governor without being a registered voter? You can run for governor without being a registered voter. You just can't be the treasurer of the campaign. Okay, this makes me so mad. He has been busting into our Capitol building, harassing our representatives, and he's not even a registered voter? Yeah. Register to vote. Exactly. <laughs> Express your political beliefs at the ballot box. In an appropriate manner. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, so he has two choices at this point in time. He either has to register to vote if he wants to remain treasurer, or he has to file a new petition and list a treasurer that is a registered voter. Do you think he's aware of this? I do believe he's aware of this because I'm sure the Secretary of State's office kicked it back. I also believe he's probably going to protest the fact that the treasurer has to be a registered voter because he thinks the government shouldn't tell him anything oh, as a, as in what to do, which makes it kind of ironic that he's running for governor so he can tell us what to do. <laughs> anyway. Again, Lifetime Achievement oh. Award winner. <laughs> Never fails to disappoint. Right. Well, at least our Mormon behaving badly didn't, like, murder anyone this month. True. <laughs> There's always that. There's always that. All right. Should we move on to our favorite things? Yes. Let's move on to our favorite things. All right. Um, my favorite thing this month is a podcast. Okay. I did a podcast last month, too. I'm on a podcast kick. Apparently, you are. <laughs> so this podcast um, is one I just discovered in the past week or so, and I've been binging it, but I'm not all the way through yet. I think there's maybe six or seven episodes. It is called The Line. Um, fair warning, there's some F-bombs. <laughs> okay. So be warned. If you don't want to hear F-bombs, don't listen to the podcast. Yes. Listener, be, listener be warned. The podcast is about um, the story of the Navy SEALs and one in particular, Eddie Gallagher. And I don't know if you remember that story. He was in trouble a couple of years ago for killing a prisoner of war in Iraq. Okay. And he was it was big on the news because he had a trial and President Trump got involved and at the time, I didn't super pay attention, so I very vaguely remember it. Um, but listening to this podcast goes through all the details. Okay. Um, so it's fascinating. I'm maybe halfway through right now. Okay. And it's really interesting because you're getting a really good inside look at behind the scenes of the okay. Navy SEALs and the war on terror and just kind of the blurred lines oh. with the war on terror. Um it's really interesting. Anyway, that's why there's a lot of F-bombs, because they're interviewing all these Navy SEALs. 
Okay. But and then kind of like interviewing construction yes. workers. And then they actually have um audio from the trial, which is interesting, um, because it hasn't been released before. Oh. I don't know how they got their hands on the audio huh. from the trial, but uh it's just really fascinating. So that's my recommendation this month if you're interested in that at all. Okay. What do you have for us? Oh, I have an Instagram account. Now, you know my love of Spencer Cox and his wife? Yes. They've got some serious competition. Oh. It is another Utah. Oh. It is none other than Zach Wilson's mom. Oh. Her name is Lisa, and her Instagram account is called Life According to Lisa. Okay. And the two is the number two, not the two spelled out. Life According to Lisa. She is so freaking hilarious. She is so funny. And one of the things that I really enjoy about her uh, her is she is she's a super positive person and uh-huh. she's got like ADD and she's um obsessive compulsive and she owns all of that. But she gets up every morning and she gets on her on her Instagram, on uh-huh. her videos and she says, "Okay girls, you know, or whoever, she doesn't call them girls, just her, you know, her Instagram followers." Uh-huh. She says, "You know, it's such and such time in the morning." You know, I hope you're up. I hope you have your um, armor on for the day. And she said, you know, your armor may be having your hair done. Maybe your armor is a cute outfit. Maybe your armor is mascara and lipstick because that's her armor. Every day she's got mascara and lipstick. So she says two things you're going to do every day. You're going to make your bed and you're going to put your armor on and you're going to get up and you're going to get going. Uh And she's, for me... I find her super motivational. Oh. Like I find very few people motivational. <laughs> and but for her, I find her super motivational. The other thing she does is um she does a lot of cooking videos. Okay. Like as she's cooking dinner. And it's like real stuff. She's like, Yeah, I got this at Costco. Oh. She's totally like a value shopper. Like she just thinks just like me. That's probably why I really yeah, you, like her. You like to cook a good dinner. I do like to cook a good <laughs> dinner. And she's always like, Okay, I've got this. I've got to figure out what I'm going to do. Mm. Anyway, she's just really, really, really fun to follow. Okay. I'll and have so to check her out. you will have to check her out so, on Instagram. Is she Utah famous? Does she have the Zach Wilson bump? Well, you know what? Here's what's interesting. She had about 9,000 followers prior to the draft. Uh Okay. And so she shows up at the draft with her family and they all look like they'd be carved out of cream cheese, (laughs) including Zach's girlfriend, who you have to really look and go, which one is the girlfriend? Which one is the sister? Because they look very much alike. Oh, okay. Anyway, so she ended up with a ton of media hype. At the uh, at the draft, everybody was like, Zach Wilson's mom is hot. It became a trending thing on Twitter that really? his mom was hot. Oh, yes. So her Instagram followers, uh, near over, she went from 9,000 to 22,000, like almost overnight oh. because of that. And, um, and I started following her because of that, because I was like, well, who is this woman? And she's just very real and she's just very grounded. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see why Zach Wilson is the way he is because you can kind of see that like if he got too high and mighty, his mom would cut him like bad bangs. <laughs> you know, she would have no problem going, I don't think so. I like it. So anyway, okay. I just encourage everybody to go follow her on Instagram because like I said, I really enjoy her stories. She gives me lots of motivation to like, 
you know, uh, and she also says, you know, hey, every day is not great for me. And, you know, she was having a hard day a few weeks ago. And she's like, I'm taking the day off today. I'm going to sit in bed and eat ice cream because I'm feeling like this. Uh-huh. And then the next day, she's like, one day of pity. Now we're back at it. Nice. So I just think she has a really healthy attitude. Right. Okay. Well, I'll have to check her out. So check her out. All right. I think that wraps it up for us. It does. So Twim Nation, thank you very much for joining us this evening or during the day, or whenever it is you're listening to us. We appreciate your support. Um, You can find TWIM on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you have questions or comments, you can email Jeff at thisweekinmormons.com, and uh, he will, will in theory, respond. Yeah. So it's it's contact at thisweekinmormons.com. That's right. That's how you that's how you email Jeff. And of course, if you want to donate two bucks a month and become a Patreon supporter to help us keep the equipment going, we'd greatly appreciate that as well. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm.